Hey Life Canton, Roger here, one of the directors. So glad that you're joining us, whether you listen to us every week and have heard this intro a thousand times or you're a brand new listener. Welcome. We believe that you belong. That means we want you to get plugged into this community because you belong to God, so you belong to us. Best way to do that is fill out a connect card on our website or our church center app. We also believe that God is up to so much in our church and our community and that we have a calling and an opportunity to support what God is doing. And there's lots of ways to do that, but financially, it's just one of those ways. So I would encourage you to take this opportunity to give financially to the mission of the church and what God is doing here in our community. You can do that, again, via the Church Center app or our website. But we are in week two of our torch-bearing series, where we've been talking about the second half of our 10-year vision, which is to bear the torch of Christ's justice and love into our community. This week, you'll hear a message from Pastor John, where he's going to talk about smoke theology and torch-bearing theology. So you'll understand if you give that message a listen, go ahead and do that, and I'll catch up with you in just a few moments. Amen, amen. You may be seated. Welcome, family. My name is John. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are excitedly heading into week two of our Torchbearer series. And I love this because we are unpacking our vision as a church, which is to reclaim our identity in Jesus and bear the torch of Christ's justice and love. And our question in this series is how exactly do we bear the torch of Christ's justice and love in our community? Because this light was never meant to be contained in this building, amen? It was never meant to be hoarded by us. It was meant to be shared to the ends of the earth. And today, we're not just going to talk about the second part of our vision statement. We're going to see how the first part is absolutely essential to being a torchbearer, how important it is to reclaim our identity in Jesus as we do this. But how do we carry the torch of Christ's justice and love into our community? That's a question that we're asking. And we started that last week. I wanted to thank you for those of you who were here and were able to participate in discerning and listening to God and saying, God, where do you want to call us as we go and meet the needs of the community, as we look at loneliness, mental health, and poverty as ways that we can serve and meet needs in the community around us. So thank you for joining us in that discernment. We've received all of your ideas and we're praying over them, preparing them, and figuring out ways that we can live, live them out and a strategy of how to uh, reach out to our community. So we'll keep you posted on that progress as we uh, put those things together. <clears throat> in this series, we're going to walk through just three verses in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14, 15, and 16. And they all have to do with this concept of light. Makes sense, right? Being a torchbearer, being the light of Christ, how do we share that light with those around us. And a lot of times when we read scripture, it's about like, I need to read this whole chapter or this book. It's about the content and the quantity, but sometimes we need to slow down and focus on the quality. Look at one verse and really dig into all the layers of that verse. So that's what we're going to do in the series. And because there's only three verses, I want to challenge you to actually memorize these verses. Are you up for the challenge? One of you? Okay. Uh, you can do this. That's important because when we memorize the word of God, it changes the way we think. Scripture says we're transformed by the renewing of our mind, that we get to have the mind of Christ as we learn the word of God, the will of God. So it's very powerful. So to get us started on that, I would love to read the scripture together out loud. 
And in a way of honoring God's word, would you stand with me as we read together? Matthew 5, 14, and I'll count us down from three, two, one. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Matthew 5, 14, you may be seated. You are the light of the world. Question for you, how did you feel reading that? Do you feel empowered? Do you feel like God believes that I am the light, that I can influence people around me? Or did you feel a little awkward or uncomfortable? Does it feel a little bit arrogant to say that you are the light, I am the light of the world? How do you feel when you read these verses? Why do we feel a little bit uncomfortable when we read verses like this? I think we have some discomfort because many of us feel like we do not have much value. We can feel like we just carry the torch, but Christ is the flame. If anything, we're just the smoke, this invisible leftovers of what happens after the flame has showed up. I mean, Christ delivers the warmth, the heat, the power of the flame, but we're just the smoke. If you think about a campfire, smoke is the thing that no one pays attention to. At the very best, at the worst, it's the annoying smoke that won't get out of your face, you know, and you just have to keep moving around the fire to avoid that smoke that just seems to follow you. And we can feel like that annoying smoke that doesn't have much value. I needed a term to express this because this isn't just something that you and I feel in this room. I feel like this is something that has infected our faith, something that has tainted Christianity. And I'm going to call it smoke theology. Smoke theology, this prevents us from being torchbearers. Smoke theology is a belief that God is everything and humans are nothing. This belief that humans are sinners who can never stop sinning, no matter how hard we try. And because of our sin, we are rotten to the core and there's no way to really change our identity at the core because we're just evil, wicked sinners trapped in these broken, failed, failing bodies. And Jesus will just show up one day to rescue us from these broken down bodies that we live in, that we're trapped in. I want to spend a couple moments unpacking this because in my experience as a pastor and a life coach for the last 20 years, this is one of the biggest hurdles that I've seen people face of not believing who God says you are, of actually believing the opposite of who God says you are. It's a hurdle that prevents us from actually believing who God says we are, and it's a self-defeating pattern. So we have to kind of debunk this myth because If we don't, then how can we be a torchbearer if we just think that we're the smoke? We don't have any value. There are three ways that this type of smoke theology is dangerous. The first one is it devalues the image of God in us. Genesis 126 says that we are made in God's image to be like him. So we are image bearers of God. We're called to carry his character and his nature to the ends of the earth. Scripture starts in chapter one of the first book with this concept because it's weaved throughout all of scripture and it's trying to get us to understand that we are made in the image of God. But with this smoke theology, if I believe that I am nothing, 
how can I reflect God's character and nature to the world? It's, it's not going to happen. I'm not going to believe in myself. I'm going to be insecure. I'm not going to do what he's called me to do because I think I'll just keep failing him. Number two, smoke theology deletes development. If I'm not worth anything, why would I invest in developing myself? I mean, it's flawed from the start, right? If there is no hope and I'm just doomed, no matter what I do, then why even try? Just let myself go, just do whatever I want, be whoever I want to be, because there's no hope of developing myself if I'm just rotten to the core. And number three, it's devoid of biblical substance. Just like smoke rises and has no form and eventually just disappears, so does this idea. It does not hold any biblical substance. Now, you may be able to cherry pick a few scriptures to support some of these concepts, but in my opinion, the smoke theology does not align with the overall truth and narrative of scripture. From every page of scripture, God is screaming at us to believe who he says that we are, that we are his sons and daughters called to reflect his nature to the world. That is the heart of God. And that is what it means to be a torchbearer. So when we clear away all the smoke, here's the truth that we must accept. You are a torchbearer, one who shines Christ's light in dark places. Do you believe it? Amen. Will you receive it? Will you live into that? Because that is who Christ has called you to be. If you don't believe me, Matthew 5, 14 is, you know, all scripture is inspired by God, but there are certain scriptures that are red letters. You know what the red letters are? Direct quotes from Jesus himself. You know, Matthew is quoting Jesus saying this in Matthew 5, 14. So while all scripture is inspired by God, these are direct quotes that the disciples remember Jesus saying. This is straight from the mouth of God. And he doesn't stutter. He doesn't step over his words lightly. He says it confidently. You are the light. And I want to tell you a story of some of the very first torchbearers. This is one of my favorite stories in all of scripture. It happened just after the resurrection. And two disciples, one of them was named Cleopas. They don't say the name of the other one, but they're walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. It's a seven mile journey. It takes an average person about two and a half hours to walk on this journey. So they have a lot of time to talk and, and converse as they go. And they are kind of dejected and sad because the savior that they have followed for three years is now dead. And all their hopes and dreams of who the Messiah would be are now dashed to the ground. And they're walking dejected and sad because they haven't heard yet that the Messiah has resurrected from the, de- from the grave. And what I love about this is as they're talking, as they're sad, as they're grieving, Jesus himself shows up and walks with them on the road. But he hides himself. God, it says God veils his identity to these disciples. So he just says, what are you guys talking about? And they're like, well, we're talking about all the events in Jerusalem that have been happening around the Messiah. And he goes, oh, really? Tell me about them. <laughs> Which I love that. He's, it happened to him, and he's asking them what's happening. And they say, you must be the only one in all of Jerusalem who ha- doesn't know what's been happening, you know? And so I just love the humor in the story. But uh, Jesus then starts to unpack to them all of the scriptures that point to him, that point to the Messiah, all the way from Abraham and Moses and all the prophets and how they point to Jesus fulfilling these prophecies and being the Messiah who would save us from our sins. 
and they, they have two and a half hours. So they are captive audience. They're just walking and talking. And when they get to Cleopas's house, Jesus intends to just walk by and keep going. And they're like, no, wait, 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 come and, come and eat a meal with us because we want to keep talking. And as soon as they begin the meal, Jesus takes a loaf of bread and breaks it. And all of a sudden their eyes are open and they realize this is the Messiah. This is Jesus. And then he disappears out of thin air. He's just gone. <laughs> and so this is a crazy story. And this is what they say. I love what they say when their hearts are just filled with joy about what they just experienced. Here's what they say in Luke 24, 32 in the voice translation. Amazing. Weren't our hearts on fire within us while he was talking to us on the road? Didn't you feel it all coming clear as he explained the meaning of the Hebrew scriptures? Weren't our hearts on fire within us? Friends, when we carry the torch of Christ's justice and love, it's not like an Olympic athlete who holds it in his hand. The torch is in hearts. And this is the first torchbearers who got to carry that flame in their hearts as they experienced and encountered Jesus and that flame caught in their hearts and spread throughout the rest of their lives beyond them to the rest of the world. That's the power of what happens when we encounter Jesus. That's why the first part of our vision is so important because reclaiming our identity in Jesus is the first step of torchbearing. How can you show the world Christ's love and his justice if you have never experienced it yourself, right? We've got we've to experience the presence of God, be transformed, allow the spirit to reveal dark places in our life and shine his light there. We've got to look at our identity and I'm going to give you a tool to do that in a, in a moment, to look at the ways that you can invite the light of Christ into your life. And as you reclaim your identity in Jesus, you become more like him and you carry his love and justice to the ends of the earth. What does reclaim mean? This isn't a word that we use very often. It means to restore or to recover. It means to heal the broken places, to get rid of the lies of who people have said you are and replace them the truth of what God says about you. This is the truth that we need to reclaim because we are made as his sons and daughters in his image. And there's a lot of truth that we have forgotten or may have never learned about ourselves. That is so important as the first step. And so as these disciples are reclaiming their identity in Jesus, as they walk along the road with him, they run right back to Jerusalem. You can imagine they just experienced the resurrected Jesus uh, in the flesh. He is eating with them. He is there in person with them. And they cannot help but run back to Jerusalem and tell all the other disciples what they experienced. Remember, this is seven miles, two and a half hours but I bet you they got there in probably an hour because they were like booking it, you know, to get back and tell them about what happened. And this is my favorite part. When they join up with the disciples again and they're all standing there talking around the fires that are kindled in their hearts, Jesus shows up again, right in their midst. And I love it because Jesus is like, you thought the first movie was great. Just wait till you see the sequel. And then the next one and the next one, it's like Fast and Furious. There's like 20 movies that come with it, right? But uh, Jesus is saying, this is so much better than anything else you've ever seen. I'm going to reveal myself to you over and over and over again. And when he meets with them in this moment, he unpacks the scriptures with them. He tells them again how he's fulfilling the prophecies. He tells them to stay in Jerusalem, to wait for the power of the Holy Spirit so that they could be 
um, empowered to bring the, the fire to the ends of the earth by the power of the spirit. And then he ascends into heaven right before their eyes. They watch him go up to heaven and be with his father again. The disciples are blown away and filled with intense joy. And from Jerusalem, they carry the flame of this experience with Jesus to the ends of the earth. So here's my biggest takeaway from this story. The disciples didn't just reclaim their identity with Jesus once. They didn't just say a salvation prayer and be like, peace out, I'm on my way. They continued to reclaim their identity as they encountered Jesus over and over and over again. And when they did, they became torchbearers. They couldn't help but show the world what they experienced when they experienced Jesus. Now, when we hear stories like this, we may disconnect a little bit because we're like, yeah, those are the disciples. They got to like walk with Jesus and see him. You know, they got to interact with him and actually hear his voice in person. Well, guess what? This entire story happens with the resurrected Jesus. Guess who else gets to interact with the resurrected Jesus? You and me. We have the same exact access as these disciples did to the resurrected Jesus. Amen? Let's not miss the opportunity to reclaim our identity, to encounter Jesus. He has so much more in store for you. He's just getting started revealing himself to each one of us. There's an endless well that we get to dive into in God's presence as we get to know our Savior. Don't be satisfied with what you know about him today because he wants to encounter you every day and show you more of who he is, just like he did with these disciples. I want to look at our key scripture verse again because I want to show you something. Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. You see, to these disciples who were in Jerusalem after Jesus was resurrected from the dead, I think that they remembered Jesus saying this. I think that here they are in Jerusalem, literally a city on a hill. Jerusalem is on a hill and the temple is at the top of the hill. They're looking at Jerusalem and the temple thinking, this is what Jesus meant when he said, like a city on a hill, shine your light for all to see. And you can't hide the temple. You notice that? This city cannot be hidden. You cannot put a, a bowl or a basket over Jerusalem, <laughs> over the temple. So don't even try. And so Jesus is saying, why would you try to hide your light? Why would you be insecure about it? Why would you try to, I mean, I'm going to burn myself if I try, you know, don't try. Let it burn. Let it be confident as you express your life in Christ. Let people see this confidence in you because you can't hide your light no matter how hard you try. So you might as well just shine it for all to see. Here's the problem with the Jerusalem temple. In just a couple decades, in 70 AD, the temple would be destroyed for the second time. Has the city on the hill gone out? Has the light been snuffed out? No. Because here's the good news of what Jesus is saying. You are the light of the world. You are the city on the hill that cannot be hidden. You cannot be destroyed like the temple can. You aren't even limited to one location. You can go to the ends of the earth. You are the new temple of God who houses the Holy Spirit, who carries the flame right here in your heart as you bear 
the torch of Christ's love. We are the new temple of God. As a city on a hill, no matter what we do, we can't hide our light. So why don't we just share it and shine our light for all to see as torchbearers? How do we do that? Let's get practical. We could talk about this all day and, and get excited and inspire each other, but how do we actually live this out? We need to feed the flame and fan the flame, okay? We feed the flame of our identity in Jesus. See, fuel sustains the flame. When the fuel runs out, the flame goes out. You can't sustain the flame if there's no fuel to keep it burning. But as you add more fuel, the fire stokes up again. It brightens, it gets stronger, it gets brighter. In order to sustain the fire of Christ within us, we need to feed the flame of our identity in Jesus. One encounter is not good enough. One day a week on Sunday is not good enough. I'm not saying that to guilt trip you. I'm saying that to invite you into all that God has in store for every one of us, for me, for you. There is so much more that he wants to give us, so much more fuel he wants to pour into our tanks so that we can carry his hope and love and joy and justice to the world that is trapped in darkness. They don't know what the light looks like, but we get to shine it for them to see. Just like the disciples, the first step of torchbearing is to reclaim our identity in Jesus. That's where we have to start. Again, what does this look like practically? I want to give you a tool that will help you do this as a torchbearer so that you can continue to sharpen and refuel and be ready to bear the torch for Jesus. This is a picture of what your identity in Christ looks like. If you could take a cross section of it, it's, filled with these five layers. Now, a lot of times in church, we only talk about the spiritual layer of your identity, but that's only 20% of your identity in Christ. And we could probably add more layers, but when you boil it down, it comes down to these five layers, spiritual, emotional, mental, physical, and relational. These are all the places where we need to assess how am I doing at reclaiming my identity in Jesus in these five layers Spiritual is our eternal life, our life lived with God. It's the life that we will have for eternity. And that's the heart of our identity in Christ. But it branches out to our emotional life. Do we know how to stay regulated when we're stressed out or overwhelmed? Do we know how to get to a place of peace where we experience the fruit of the spirit in our emotions? Do we realize that there is a godly expression for every single emotion? I could spend a whole message on that and I probably will sometime, okay? But that's not this message. The mental layer, our thoughts drive our actions. As I said earlier, we are transformed by renewing our mind, by taking on the mind of Christ and we begin to think like him. Our physical layer, what is your relationship like with your body? You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Don't just take my words for it. Jesus said it. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. How do you care for that temple? How do you feel towards your body? Do you say things to yourself that you would never say to anyone else? We need to pay attention to how we treat our physical body. It's the temple of God. It's made in the image of God. And he wants to restore us there. And lastly, relational. God is Trinity. He is relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit at the core of who he is. And we are made in his image, which means we were made to be relational. 
How do we express the image of God in our relationships? Where is their brokenness? Where does healing need to show up? These are questions that we can ask ourselves. So the way you use this tool is to rate each layer on a scale of one to five. One is neglect, five is thriving. So if you rate one of these layers at a one or a two, that means your fuel is running out and your flame is starting to flicker. But if you pay attention and and create goals to move these layers up to a four or five, then you're refueling your tank and you're able to go and continue to bear the torch of Christ's justice and love everywhere you go. But it starts here. We have to start in our identity in Christ so that we can be fully fueled to carry the flame. Now, I want to give you an actual tool to walk through this. So if you could uh, pull out your phone right now, if you have the Church Center app, I want to show you where this tool is. This is a brand new tool that we put on the app yesterday. So you have not seen this before. You guys can go to the next slide. Um, It's called the five-layer check-in tool. It'll walk you through using that diagram that I just said to assess those five layers. If you go to the Church Center app, go to the three dots that say more and press that. And then you'll press reclaim identity. And once you get there, you're going to see four different resources that you can check out. One of them being this check-in tool. Press the five-layer check-in image. That's actually like a button that will send you to a tool that you can use to create some goals for each layer, at least one goal for each layer so that you can grow into thriving in these ways of your identity in Christ, okay? So I would love to hear how this is going for you. Send me an email, john at lifecanton.org. How is this tool working for you? I would love to hear about that and come alongside of you as we grow together as torchbearers. And that leads us to our next point of fanning the flame. We feed the flame and now we fan the flame. We fan the flame by shining brighter together. And I wanna share a story from someone who goes here named Brianna. And this is such a beautiful story of both feeding the flame and fanning the flame in her story. And I wanna share this with you before we talk more about fanning the flame. She wrote this on Facebook last week after our service. And I I read it and just knew that I needed to share it with you because it's just such a beautiful picture of what this looks like. She said, I was sitting in church today with my husband We did a small exercise all together discussing loneliness and mental health and how God shows up in the dark parts of your life and brings light to them. I immediately got so emotional and choked up when the full circle realization hit that I really don't have any dark parts in my life anymore the way that I used to. God did show up in those dark parts of my life and my husband's life and moved our hearts and minds Our family is something truly indescribable to witness. And she says this with humility. Just a couple months ago, her and her husband got baptized at New Life Sunday together. It was such a beautiful moment. Yeah, cheer for that. Of them saying, God, we want to reclaim our family for you. We want to lead our boys in your life and show them the light of Christ. She continues. I thought back to how dark it was before all of this and how much I needed that light. I'm sure there's someone going through the same darkness right now. And I wish they knew if they just leaned on God through the dark heaviness they're feeling, he would take it all away. With all of your weaknesses, fears, and even doubts, he accepts you exactly as you are. If you could just catch a glimpse of the way 
he would move and bring peace in your life, you would let him. Isn't that powerful? You see what happened. As Brianna reclaimed her identity in Jesus, as she went on this journey to let Jesus transform her, she cannot help but be a torchbearer. She cannot help but share that with others and want them to experience the light as well for people who are trapped in darkness. Can you imagine living in a pitch dark room where there were never any light switches or lights that came on? What that would feel like, the utter darkness, the hopelessness, the despair that you would feel. That's a picture of how most people who don't know Christ live their lives. They do not know what the light looks like or feels like. They've never experienced it before. And if that's you today, I want you to know that this light is for you, that Christ wants to light up your darkness and show you his light, his hope, his faith, his joy. And he's not afraid of your skepticism. He's not afraid of your questions. He wants you to bring all of yourself to him and experience what the light feels like. That invitation is open for every single one of us. I love how Brianna allows the light of Christ in her to spread beyond her. And this is what it looks like to fan the flame because we shine brighter together. Around a campfire, if you take a piece of cardboard or a piece of wood and you go like this by the flame, it gets bigger, not smaller like this one is, but right, it makes the flame get bigger and brighter because you're actually introducing more oxygen to the flame. You are an outside source that is giving this fuel to the fire in the form of oxygen and it gets bigger and stronger. First John 1, 5 through 7 gives us a picture of what this looks like when it comes to torchbearing. Let's read it together. This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. Sounds like Brianna. This is the message that I experienced with Christ. God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. It starts when we live in the light. We carry the torch because of the light of Christ inside of us and we get to shine that light and live in the light. But we don't do that alone, do we? No, because you can't fan your own flame right? You need somebody else. You need an outside source to fan that flame for you. And so do I. And we need to give each other oxygen in our spiritual lives to allow that flame to burn brighter and stronger. We need each other to fan the flame. And that's what happens when we live in fellowship with one another. This scripture talks about when we live that way, we expose the spiritual darkness When light shines in darkness, the darkness cannot overcome it. The darkness is always lit up by the light. We help each other practice the truth. It's not just a theory of truth, it's a practice. How do we apply this to our lives? And when we do that, we are cleansed from all sin. You notice that? All sin, not some sin, not only the sins that light touches, no, all sin. So that gives us hope that no matter what you face, there's no sin that is stronger than the light of Christ, amen? You have the source of truth who leads you away from sin and into the truth and life of God. And that is so hopeful. But we need each other. We need the blood of Jesus to remind each other 
to fan into flame this gift that God has given us. I'm gonna go back to our theme verse again. Again, there's so many layers to this. Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Now, when we read this, this is not a singular you, it's a plural you. Like my friend Lisa would say, all y'all are the light of the world, okay? Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Us as a church family, we each bring our torch to the table and it shines brighter. Our flames join together and become this giant conflagration of God's hope and joy. Our torches shine brighter together. And sometimes we light up the darkness in places that we would never expect. This week, Franz, our engagement director, told me a story that I just said I have to share this with you because it's so great. He talked about conversations that he would have with people in the sauna at the gym. And so we work out together. And when we're done with our workout, we go to the sauna. And you usually spend about 15 to 20 minutes getting a good sweat to clear out your pores. It's good for your heart. I won't go into too much detail because I know that's gross. But you're sitting together in the sauna for 20 minutes. And you've got this captive audience. So he started realizing that there are other guys in the sauna and we could have some intentional conversation. So he started asking them about their lives, started talking about truth, started unpacking questions that they had. And he started noticing that these same guys would come to the gym at the same time every day because they looked forward to being in the sauna and having these conversations. They'd be like, Franz, you're a wise guy. What do you think about this topic? And they'd sit there for 20 minutes and talk about it. And all of a sudden, Franz notices that he's got an unofficial small group meeting in the sauna. Okay? (laughs) How awesome is that? And here's what's cool. I got to bring my son into that experience because he's 11 years old and we go at 5.30 a.m. twice a week to work out. How cool is that? And he um, went into the sauna with us. And as we walked in, there were some men in the sauna who saw him. And one of them said, I wish my son would work out with me. And then he just went to encourage my son and say, I'm going to get emotional because he just said that kind of work ethic at 11 years old is going to serve you the rest of your life. You keep working, you keep grinding, you keep lifting those weights, and you're going to be a strong man someday. And I just sat back and soaked it in because I'm just watching this wisdom be shared from these men. Here's what's so beautiful about this. This was a multi-ethnic conversation. There were many different men in this sauna from different backgrounds who were all sharing together, sharing wisdom. And my son got to be a part of that. And as we walked out, I thanked them for sharing their wisdom with my son. This is what's beautiful about torchbearing. It's not just about you sharing your light with others. It's about them sharing their light with you. And you get to be a part of shining brighter together when we share our light with one another. I hope that this story inspires you to look for ways that you can bear the torch in ways that you would never expect. What are opportunities that you may have missed before that now you're starting to think about? Hey, maybe I can bear the torch in this situation with these people in this moment. It's not a church setting. It's not even a Christian setting, but I am still a city on a hill that cannot be hidden in this moment. How can I shine the light? So students, how can you shine the light in your school? Maybe you're at the lunch table and you notice that there's someone sitting by themselves. Maybe you could join them and have a conversation with them and encourage them. That socially awkward person, that person that is hard to be around, you get to be the light to them. In church, 
What if we could be torchbearers like those men were in that sauna for my son? What if we could encourage our students in this church to reach their potential, to keep pursuing God, to reclaim their identity in Jesus so that they can continue to, to live in the light? We have a role to play in the next generation. Amen? We need to raise them up as the church of today, not tomorrow, to begin leading us as students, as young people. And we believe that you can do that, students. We want to do it along with you. Ladies, how can you bear the torch while you're getting your hair and nails done? You've got about 10 hours in that moment, right? (laughs) At least two or three, okay? And uh, you got this captive audience of not just your, your hairdresser or cosmetologist, but any of the other women in the, in the salon. Could you, could you engage in that moment? Not be awkward, not be weird, but just be real and show them the light of Christ in that moment. You've got a perfect opportunity to bear the torch right there. Parents, what if you could bear the torch in your car as you're driving your kids around? How many of you feel like mom or dad Uber sometimes, right? You're just driving your kids everywhere And I felt like that this fall, driving my son to football, like, really, we got to drive again, just same drive every day, twice a day. And and I felt like God convicted me and said, son, why are you not engaging in intentional conversation with your boy? You're missing these opportunities. And so that set me straight. And I started engaging and asking him about his day and asking him what, you know, what was heavy on his heart and just really trying to engage in that moment. They can't escape to their room, can they? They're stuck in the car. So why don't, we, why don't we use that as an opportunity to bear the torch with them? Just ideas. I hope again that these ideas inspire you to engage wherever you are. Because if you can be a torchbearer in a sauna, then you can be a torchbearer anywhere. Amen? It doesn't matter where you are. You can carry this light with you. And that's what Christ is calling us to do. See, at the beginning of the sermon, we talked about smoke theology and how that prevents us from being torchbearers. But what if we could talk about the opposite of that? What would torchbearer theology look and sound like? It would sound like this. Torchbearer theology empowers the image of God in us. Genesis 126 says that we're made in God's image, that we are his image bearers called to carry his character and nature to the ends of the earth. If you really believe that, because it's true, then you would carry that with confidence, wouldn't you? You would bring that light with you wherever you go to reflect God's character to everyone around you. That's what a torchbearer does. They believe the truth about what God says about them. Number two, torchbearer theology fuels development. You are a valuable child of God. You are a son or daughter of the king of the universe. That is a fact, okay? Will you live with some swagger about your identity in Christ? Will you live with some humble confidence of believing who God says you are to continue to develop your identity in Christ so you can fully become who he designed you to be? There's so much more that God wants to develop us into. And that is why that, diagram that identity in Christ in the five layers is so important because it makes it practical of how you can grow and develop in your walk with God. When we do that, we will shine brightly the light of Christ in dark places. I want to read our scripture one more time together. 
And I want you to feel a difference inside of yourself. As we've talked about this, as we've revealed this truth, does this feel different this time? Let's read it together. Three, two, one. You are the light of the world. Give me some confidence. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Do you believe it? Will you receive it? Will you live into that truth that you are a torchbearer? Amen. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you that you call us torchbearers, that we get to carry your justice and love wherever we go, that we get to show this world how we have encountered you, this world that is lost in darkness and desperate for light and truth, hope, and forgiveness. Lord, help us to overcome the lies so that we can live in the truth and be confident in who you have called us to be as your sons and daughters. Help us to be torchbearers by the power of your Holy Spirit and show us where you want us to bring the light to the darkness. In Jesus' name. I hope that you enjoyed that message. I hope that you were encouraged to begin to bear your torch. Like Pastor John said, we are the light. Jesus has called us to spread uh, his light into the world through us. And I hope that you see the opportunities that will surely be there for you to share the light of Christ this week. Uh, if there's anything you need support with, whether it's maybe finding some of those opportunities or just receiving some prayer and encouragement, please reach out. We want to support you in any way that we can. The best way to do that is through the Church Center app, where you will find, like I said before, our Connect card. Fill that out. Let us know what kind of support you need, and we would love to reach out and, and encourage and support you. Uh, have a blessed week. Uh, like I said, this week is another week full of opportunities for you to bear the torch of Christ's justice and love. So we pray for you as you do that. We encourage you as you do that. And we support you in whatever way we can as we do it as a community. Have a blessed week. And we'll catch you again real soon.